Becoming a parent is one of those moments in our lives that is so exciting and we're so joyful and so ready for this new life that we now have responsibility for. But it can also be a time that takes its toll on us and especially on the mother. It takes its toll physically, emotionally and not the least mentally. On this mini-series, I sit down with a couple of my girlfriends and we talk about our journeys through motherhood and our experiences with postnatal depression. I invite you to listen and um, I hope that you find this very eye-opening and that you enjoy it. Happy listening. Yeah, so welcome back. Um, we've talked so much about um, the, the postpartum, I don't want to call it illness or whatever we're going to do, depression, anxiety, OCD and all of that. But in all of this, here we are today talking about it. Somehow we've, we've gone through that and we've come out on the other side. Um, I would like us to go into uh, some of the things that helped us to recover or to come out of the other side because it could really feel when you're going through a postpartum anxiety or depression or a mental health issue because there's so many different uh, there's a lot of um, illnesses on that spectrum uh, you might feel like oh is this ever going to get better am I because that was the thought that I had I remember I called my father because it was a big support. I could talk to my father and I could tell him anything. I didn't want to disturb my mother. I didn't want her to feel that. I didn't really tell my mom until like two years ago. Um, but I could talk to my dad. So I called him and I said, is it always going to be like this? Am I always going to have these thoughts every day I wake, I wake up? Because I just felt like the thoughts just, they had to go. And he told me, you're going to be fine. It's going to go away. And looking back now, I feel like, oh yeah, they were going to go away at some point. So we would like to, I would like us to just talk around um, getting help, moving on from from that state. And um, maybe one of the first things I would like to talk about is why is it that it took us all so long to get help? Why does it take so long for people to get help? Uh, or why, why is the reason why most women don't get help or don't even want to talk about this? Because, I mean, I was going through this um, with, with Suki always in my space one way or the other, but we didn't really talk about it. When Suki was going through our own episode, we didn't really go into depth to talk about it. Maybe just, oh, I'm feeling sad, but you don't go into depth to talk about what you're going through. Um, I think I shared a lot with Paulina, but she was on the other on the other side of the, of the Atlantic Ocean, or whatever you want to call it. Um, I think I shared maybe a little bit with, uh, with Jumoke almost at the point when I was seeking help, and that was almost three or four months into the old episode. So why does it take so long for us to actually seek help, especially in our immediate environment? Why is it easier to talk to somebody on the phone, but not to somebody that you're seeing every day? You don't want to be judged. I think that's mm. the, that's the, well, at, at least that was what I felt. Um, I think it was Paulina or maybe Jumoke that said that we want to be strong all the time. We want to feel mm. like we are um, we are super women. We can do this. Mm. We're supposed to just snap out of it and everything is perfect again. Mm. 
so you don't want to say it out loud because you're not supposed to have mental issues. That's mm. that's a big issue. You, you're not supposed to be crazy. You're supposed yeah. to be good. Mm. So I I didn't I personally did not want to be judged by anybody. I didn't mm. want to be judged to be seen as less. Mm. As even though I, I know I probably know deep down somewhere that other women are going through it, but I still did not want them to look at me with, with that quote unquote eye. I didn't want them to see me as less. I think that's why it took so long. And I did not want to accept it as well. Mm. That no, it's just it's just a face, it's gonna go by, it's just a face, it's gonna go by. So mm. yeah, those two things. I didn't want to be judged and I did not want to accept it. That was that was why it took me such a long time. Mm. I think I think for me, uh, it was the shame. I think it was the shame and the guilt. Like I've always been somebody that people come to for help. Also, mm. I always have the right word to say. You know, pray with mm. them, encourage them. Now to tell that I'm 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 quite down. I'm literally I don't want to pray with you. I don't want to pray for you. I need the prayer myself. I think mm. it was that shame and guilt of oh my god, I'm failing people. Or I'm failing myself. I think that that was one of the reasons for me. That was mm. one of the reasons for me. Uh, I couldn't talk to anyone about it. But I think I was kind of very really vocal about it actually. I think with my mom, I was I was able to mm. express myself. Mm. But I. I I think at some point it was too much for her to handle at, mm. at the same time. I think we were, we were trying to cover it like we're okay, we're okay. But at some point, I think it just blew out of proportion. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Paulina. Yeah. Well, mine was quite different and might sound a little twisted. But I just recall feeling in that moment that I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted someone to come and rescue me. So mm. it probably started out with um, like what a lot of us are describing, just knowing that I'm strong, I can do it. It's just, you know, you just have to get up and just say, I just have to feel good. That's all that it takes. Just wake up, tomorrow's the next day and you'll feel better. Mm. Um, mm. But deep down, like I mentioned earlier, I didn't have capacity mentally or emotionally or physically to do anything for some reason and even thinking of going to seek help was like I have to do something you know I have to take mm. that step but I, w I don't think I was mm. quite physically capable of taking that um, step, step. Mm. Mm. and um, unfortunately that time I think presented further health complications for me down the road but I desperately mm. wanted to be rescued. I just wanted to wake up and feel normal. So that's why I didn't mm. go for a long time. Interesting that you say you just wanted to wake up and feel normal. And I think for me, that was what I thought was going to happen. And okay, we, we're all women of faith. And I was just waiting mm -hmm. for that miraculous healing. Yep. Just wake up and all the problems are gone. But I've, I've learned now the hard way or maybe just going through that, that it's always going to be a journey. Um, because it wasn't something that somebody threw at you and just landed on your head and you just removed it. It's, it's, it's a yeah. systematic problem. It also requires a systematic solution. Yeah. So, so for me, I was, I was really, you know, you're Pentecostal, you know that God can do it. You can just pray and you're healed. So I thought that this mental health issue would be like that. You're just healed. But it's been a long process. 
and a long process because I also didn't take help her earlier, so it had snowboarded into different different kinds of of things. Um, but the reason why I didn't talk about it, I don't know, maybe because like you're saying, I don't know if it was shame that I would describe, but it's that stigma that is attached to anything mental health issues. So you're like, oh, people are not going to say you're depressed; they're going to say you're crazy. You've gone mad, and I didn't want to run mad. And I, even at some point, if, uh, some of my symptoms were like, not like going mad, but I felt in me like I was, I wanted to shake out of my body and just be free from the thoughts. So I was like, oh, if you tell somebody that they're going to say you're going to run mad. And I had this image in my head, in my head of how, you know, back home when people are crazy, we don't have institutions to keep them in. You find them on the street sometimes. And I don't know, that image was just like, Oh no! I don't want to go mad. I don't, and I. So I wasn't going to tell anybody about that no. because it was just not something you go and say. I remember going to the, the day was really bad, and we were going to the psychiatrist or the therapist. Or no, it was even the the GP at the at the hospital. We passed by the ward for psychiatric health, and I looked at the sign, but then I started crying in the car. Am I going to end up there? And, you know, it was it was just it was not something that was. The stigma was there. I wasn't going to, I didn't know who to talk talk about it to, apart from my husband and my dad. And we were all just praying and hoping that it would just go away. <laughs> mm. um, so, and I don't know, maybe people that are really close to you, um, maybe you don't expect them to understand. So you don't want to talk about it. Because if you like, they wouldn't understand. They don't understand. There's no way they can understand what's going, what I'm going through. Mm. And that's yeah, quite true. But they actually. don't understand <laughs> because um, even even people that have just normal depression, I I know people that like oh, there's no such thing as that. Just shake yourself together. Yeah, mm-hmm. man up. You know. Yeah, man up. Mm. Be happy. Don't be sad. Yeah. It's not so the there same is thing. that as well. It's not the same yeah, thing. Like, look at your baby. You're mm. so blessed. You know, you have. Oh <laughs> yeah, like life. like I don't know. <laughs> Stop being a wimp. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think it's important to remember, exactly. you know, yeah. that quite literally sometimes um, postpartum depression puts you in such a condition that you aren't able to seek help. Like, you know, you're, you're basically, it's mm-hmm. almost like delivery. You know how they say that during delivery, you have out of the body experience where you might scream or kick people or, you know, call people. And uh, you don't know. Yeah, it's like you go a little bit kooky. Um, and then you wonder, was it me? Did I actually do that? You know, did I bite you? <laughs> and honestly, that kind of reminded me of the labor where you are, like the bull said, out of your body, something is happening and you're unreasonable. And I know I've said that before, but it's just realizing the importance of talking about this before the baby arrives. Uh, I can't, I can't uh-huh. underestimate it, you know. Mm. Especially if a woman then ends up in this situation where she can't think for herself quite, you know, truly. Mm. Yeah. Um, now we've talked a lot about um, how sometimes it's hard to express it to people. I know a lot, a lot of women will probably mention it to their husbands or their partners or whatever. I'm feeling like this. Uh, I, I know I did. And in the beginning, my husband was like, you're going to be fine. And then he will pray. Oh, you're going to be okay. There's nothing wrong with it. But you sound normal to me. And I'm like, I'm not normal. 
And he's like, but you sound very normal. You went to work. You're, 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 you're active. You're functioning. Um, and he didn't really get the extent to which um, I was losing it. Let me put it like that. Um, what, what role? I know Paulina mentioned that her husband was very support, like, was encouraging her to seek help. Um, what role can a spouse play? What can they do to help? Or what can they be doing that might not be helping? Because I think, apart, we don't think only women will listen to this. Maybe their husbands or their brothers or their... What role can partners play? How can they help? Like, really help? And what can they be doing that may not be helping? Maybe from your own experience. Something, for me, I, I, I think my husband was helping a lot with the baby. So it wasn't like I was doing everything alone. In fact, I think because of depression, he... He took care of our daughter more. And I think even up to now, she's very much very much attached to him because he could wake up in the night and carry her. By the mm-hmm. time I was on medication, I couldn't wake up to do anything. I couldn't wake up. At, I had to sleep because the, the medication was supposed to help you sleep. So I, I know that he helped in that sense, helping with our chores and all of that. But sometimes I felt like him saying, you're okay, didn't really help me. I wanted him to to see that I wasn't okay. I wanted him to recognize how bad he was so that he could encourage me to go get, to go get help. And I tell me, oh, are you sure we should go? Um, in that sense. So he did some things that were helping me and being there and all of that. But um, in terms of pushing me to go get help, I wouldn't say that my husband was ready for that. And I think it has to do with culture and where we're mm-hmm. coming from. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're going to be fine. This is all going to go away. Mm. Kind of. He was mm. encouraging me to be strong. And at that point, I wanted to be, I didn't want to be strong any longer. I just wanted to be weak. <laughs> like, when I was saying, somebody come rescue me. Like, I wanted to be weak for once. Like, uh, the strong woman doesn't live here anymore. She's on a break. She's on leave, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Bonilla said something earlier on that she said um, you need to, uh, as couple, discuss this before, if possible, before the pregnancy. Probably mm. it should be talked about even during marriage counseling in quotes. Mm. <laughs> Just to prepare yourself in terms of being being educated about what can happen mm. and um, being self aware. I think is very important. Um, being understanding, um, uh, and I think. Culturally, like what you said, Babala, I think most African men can't understand what when you're talking about mental health. And you give a vivid picture of what we know as mental health back home is pe- people raving mad. Literally, mm. you know, they're outside, you're, you know, they're lunatic. Mm. That's the word I, could, I can use. So mm. you saying that you're going cuckoo or you're going crazy, they're thinking of that picture. Mm. And I think because it's hormonal, or probably triggered due to some things, it's very difficult for to for you for for the person going through it to explain it, and also for somebody who's never experienced before. Because remember that it, the two couple, or I mm. mean the the man and the, you're both having the child in mm. a way, so it's mm. it's not as if oh we had a dress rehearsal of how this was going to happen. Mm. So it can be a shock to the man as well. So. I was Funny enough, men get men get postnatal <laughs> depression as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah some, so, some men get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard that. Actually, it's almost yeah, a, a larger so. percentage. Yeah, they can. Yeah, because mm. I was surprised. Yeah, because it's more or less they lose 
but I understand yeah. it. And especially, I think so for some men, they can't understand why you've just grown from size eight to size 16, <laughs> just like that, just because you're pregnant. <laughs> yeah. The self-image self as well, you know, mm. the image of I wanted the, the, what do you call it, is it the bottleneck woman? And now she's not like, fair, <laughs> apple, you know, kind of, there's no shape anymore. <laughs> Mm. so yeah so it's also like everybody's going through the process together mm. so it's about i think communication is very important communication mm. say it as you feel it say mm. it as you mm. feel it at that time and mm. forgiveness forgiveness yeah. as well yeah. forgiveness mm. as well because i think i said a lot of hurtful things i think literally i was so paranoid so i was literally i was so paranoid any little thing i'm already thinking the worst that could happen so mm. Forgiving each other along the process and being understanding, being sensitive, non-judgmental mm. as well. Mm. And I think, yeah, supporting each other along the way. Yeah. When, yeah. when you're talking about the image that people have in their minds about, um, like, maybe if you tell your husband this, if he happens to be African, he might be thinking of this raving mad person and not think of any, mm. like, mental issue. I remember my husband was like, which thoughts? Every All of us get thoughts. And I'm thinking, you have no idea. <laughs> and it's like, but oh, everybody gets thoughts. We don't say them out, but we all get this. And I'm like, do you even know what I'm talking about when it comes to thoughts? And I didn't even want to say the thoughts out because the, the one I told him was, he was like, yeah, I know that's bad. But um. <laughs> so in, in that sense, it was also a lonely experience because you, you can't really be putting all of this on somebody else. It's already hard for you. You know how bad it is. You don't want to put that on someone else. So it's, you felt like you, you had to be a matire. I'll keep this thought in my head and I'll not tell anybody so this doesn't contaminate anyone. That adds to the stress. I love how you said that it's a lonely experience, Babola, because... Yeah, we realize that no matter how supportive our spouses are or our family, they don't feel what... This is a cross you have yes, to carry They don't yourself. feel what you feel in the moment. And it's almost um, as if we just have to accept that some of these postpartum uh, mental health issues, if they do arise, uh, it is lonely. You will feel lonely. And um, I love mm. that... I don't remember who mentioned that um, the group therapy... Um, Okay, so she mentioned that. Um, that probably would have been really helpful. And, you know, maybe encourage mm. people to seek that because it's better to be miserable mm. together than alone. <laughs> <laughs> but, but funny enough, Paulina, I was on some of these um, postpartum depression um, sites uh, when I was going, because I'm also this kind of, I like to seek help myself. So though my husband didn't get what I was talking about, I would read on some of these blogs. It's not the same as going maybe for a group therapy where there is a professional. So it was worse. Mm. I had to put up my phone at some point. I had to get off Facebook because everything I read was a reason to panic, was a reason to be anxious. Yeah. I could mm -hmm. read, oh, mm -hmm. Trump is coming to Nigeria tomorrow and I will think of 10,000 things that could go wrong. So I had to almost put, I shut off all these social media. I didn't have Facebook for one whole year because everything I read could, mm. could literally snowball into some crazy thoughts and everything like that. And some of these uh, mm -hmm. postpartum forums mm -hmm. for other people, women to share, at some point, I had to mm. leave because some people had symptoms I didn't have. And just reading it, then I added them to my list. It's like, <laughs> oh, I'm telling I'm telling it was that bad. I didn't think of some things before. Until somebody wrote there, you know, I'm afraid of this. And then the next day, is like, 
think, imagine if you're afraid of big guys. Like, oh my God, this is terrible. So I'm not, if it's a, a, a group therapy with with a professional, that's good. But I would dis, I would discourage you from maybe saying, oh, I don't have a, I'm not going to seek up. I'm going to go on some, on some website. Because no, that, that, no, that, that. Uh, that was, that don't was not good. Don't self-diagnose, that's for sure. Talk to someone like Babola. So if you have a close friend, friend you can discuss it with. Yeah. That's one thing. But yeah, reading and over analyzing, that's never a good thing. Yeah, not good. Not good. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I feel I feel it's a hard thing for the spouses as well mm. because they can't put mm. themselves in your shoes. No, it's hard. So, I mean yeah. expecting a lot from them is is <laughs> well expecting something from them is tough because they can't they they really cannot understand it they they can't process it themselves mm. what we can do like Olina has been stressing all through this it's conversation you can yes communicate that something is wrong i would like you to go read up about it so that you can understand and because i don't know what to do mm. maybe you can help through mm. this process so the person needs to a little mm. bit of knowledge mm. not like you'll be fine let's pray about mm. it of course let's pray about it but sometimes no i don't need you to pray i need you to find me help i need help also and then choice of word from, mm. from the partners as well but mm. the, the choice of what needs to be right if they understand what what you're going through do mm. you know what i mean mm. if uh-huh. they don't understand if, if they don't understand what you're going through then they can just say stuff like ah You'll be fine. Snap out of bed. Okay, go go sleep. Go sleep. Go sleep and come back in two hours. You'll be fine. Mm. <laughs> so choice of what? Yeah. I used to read mm. articles. You used to read articles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, that was um, geared towards fathers specifically, and it spoke oh, yeah. about some of this stuff. So I just mm. used to yeah. send them yeah. on. Yeah. Um. So that hopefully he could understand exactly. yeah, maybe what I'm mm. just not communicating. Yeah, because that's mm. the hard part, being able to communicate what you're going through and then for the other person to really understand it. I think my husband got to a point where he just, yeah. oh, we're going to the hospital. Okay, we're going. We're coming back. We're going. Are you taking your medication? Yes. He got into that point where he wasn't arguing with me, wasn't trying to tell me these and that. He just, okay, I'll be here. I'll be helping. You know I'm here. <laughs> and yeah, kind of mm-hmm. like in that mood. Mm. We've talked so much about faith, how even uh, one in the beginning was more like, oh, this is going to go away. We're going to just pray. We'll bind the devil. We'll kick out the spirit and we'll be fine. (laughs) And then, yeah. And then um, we also know, I know from, from myself personally that if I wasn't a person of faith, I don't know if I would have made it. Um. Mm. Uh-huh. Because I think faith plays a very big role in 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 recovery. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. For me, I know that even though I couldn't really, you know, before now, for those probably who are not Christians or who are listening to them, they don't know uh, anything about praying and all of that. They might find this interesting. But before, you know, you could really pray. Ha! Go on two hours, kabash, <laughs> and. All of those things. And this time, I couldn't pray. All I could say was, God, you have to come and help me. I must get out of this. It was literally that. That was the prayer. It's like you just say, help, yep. help. And, hmm. I mean, it was that was all I could do. That was all I could pray about. 
even though I was thinking, why would you let this happen to me? How could you let this happen to me? But I was still like, okay, you have to help me get out of here. Um, so I know that that whole season, being able to at least have someone I, 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 I leaned on in terms of, okay, what my husband couldn't do, what my father couldn't do all the way for all the way in Nigeria and me being here and everything. I knew that God was with me somehow, that this was just a trial and it was going to go away. At some point I felt like I was like Job. And I kept saying, I don't want to be Job. Don't test me. I don't want to be Job. (laughs) Mm. Because I really felt like I was, it was like Job. (laughs) Like God is like, you can do this. And I'm thinking, why would you trust me so much? I don't want to do this. Um, yeah, I have those conversations. I, I just wanted ladies to share how yeah. your faith helped you through um, this that season. I know that we prayed a lot with Paulina on the phone. We talked a lot. and um, But I know that beyond when you talk to somebody on the phone, then you have to, you're alone again. How did your faith help you? I couldn't read my Bible, I'll be honest. At that point, I couldn't read my Bible. Every other thing was just things that was already in my mind. Because even the Bible, I could read it and I could interpret it. Oh, my God. I just... I was in the same boat. I couldn't read the Bible. Mm. And it was really difficult to admit again, you know, because you feel like, am I the bad Christian Mm. now? (laughs) What's happening? But, yeah, if I was reading it, I wasn't Mm. retaining anything. It wasn't really speaking to me, which is also really difficult to admit because... You are on, in, you know, on a different planet altogether. But mm. on the recovery side, mm. and to answer Bobo's question of how faith and God helped you get through this, um, I would say that if I had no faith um, to rely on and no foundation of Christ, walking the journey would have seemed impossible because it did feel just like Babola mentioned that there was no end in sight. So I had to come to the place Mm. of, um, in a way, humility and acceptance of the fact that I might not know when this will end, but I trust that, you know, there is a purpose behind it and there are a lot of lessons to learn um, and that God doesn't always work Um, through miracles the way we define them being instant healing or you know you wake up and you're good because you prayed this fantastic Mm. prayer of faith Um, that sometimes Mm. God works through conventional methods which just like a lot of us Mm. you know um, ladies here on the podcast it seems like we are the women of prayer and we believe in God moving mountains and you know doing miracles but you know yeah but um, continue had to learn that god can work through unbelievers uh god can work through believers god can work through doctors and he can be in all of these things Mm. and his that's that's the essence of his sovereignty you know um it doesn't have to be Mm. in a church building so that really helped me to get through it to know that in the end his purpose will be accomplished and you know, he, mm. he is with me. And the other lesson I learned, and I think it's, re- it's something maybe that is harder if you don't have the you know, faith background um, is the fact that we aren't on this earth just to collect blessings all day long, which, you know, I think mm. there are certain schools of thought mm. nowadays that talk about 
you know, that a lot that you live like this and God will bless you and you'll be rich and all these things. Yeah. But through Mm -hmm. such difficult experiences as we collectively had, you know, the ladies in the podcast, I want to believe that we, Mm. again, you know, saw that God can be in all things and bad things and in good things. And that our purpose in life is not mm. to avoid that, yes. is not to avoid trauma, is not to avoid, um, mm. you know, the dope journey. Um, our, mm. you know, our purpose is to be disciples of Christ. That's what God calls mm. us to do. And that, mm. you know, doesn't mean having a cushy life. So <laughs> all that to say is that if no faith yeah. foundation is there, then I can see where it's hard to see the end in sight or see the purpose behind it. Where with God, we do, we are given purpose and suffering through his word, actually. Hmm. Hmm. That's true. Hmm. I think like what you're saying, for me, I had this, um, Oh, God is good. And, you know, I'd, I'd gone through a whole season of just experiencing God's goodness. And this just came like a shock. It was like, what? You're going to sit down there and watch me go through this? Mm. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it, it was almost like that in a way. And, um, yeah, interesting. Uh, Faith I think for me, um, I didn't get professional help. Um, I, now looking back, I thought I should have. I think I spoke to Ovola a couple of times that I was going to, I was going to, but I never did. <laughs> but I think my, mm. the support system I had and my faith really helped me. And um, like what Paulina said earlier on, saying that, you know, I don't think we would have made it through either professional therapy or informal help without mm. our faith. And for me, the book of Psalms was just really helpful and I think David went through a lot of emotions I mean I, I bet he had some mental health issues basically because at times I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't find words to express myself but I would just wake up in the middle of night in the midst mm. of the crying I would just open just the sound just mm. open anywhere and it's literally like ex- what I was thinking, how how helpless, hopeless, you know, everything I was feeling. David would just express mm. it in words, mm. and and that and that would be mm. the only way That's I true. could pray about mm. it. I would just take screenshot, and that would be probably everything I would say throughout the day. Literally, when the co- thoughts are coming, when mm. I feel down, I would just flip through my phone and just look at the Bible verse, and just that—that that was what could help. And another thing I was so intentional about is I've been through ups and downs in my life, and one thing I knew, which David said, is you know, one thing I desire is to be in your presence all the time. So I literally, mm. it might take—I mm. might get to church probably towards the end of the sermon, but <laughs> I would make sure I get to church. I mean, literally mm. drag myself. Mm. At times, I'll go to church looking, not looking yeah. at myself. And I guess people think, what's mm. wrong with this girl? But I would drag myself <laughs> to church. Like, just one word. I just want to be in, you know, be in the midst of people. Just be there. And there will be times that mm. throughout the service, I'll just be crying. I, I wouldn't, you know what? You can't say anything. Mm. And there the, 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 the was a day, a woman just came and sat beside me. I was just, you know just giving me tissues because I couldn't, I was just crying nonstop. You know when you, you, there was no way I could express it. She was just giving me tissues. When the tissues ran out, I think eventually I just had to use my <laughs> scarf or something because, and after the service, I had to tell the mm. woman, she never asked any questions. I just said, thank you. 
because at mm. that point I I knew mm. what I, what how I, I was just saying how I draw what took me to get to church the strength it took me to get to church that day mm. and just to be in that presence mm. of crying but leaving the church knowing that you know mm. I didn't I, I couldn't really remember the sermon or whatever but being in that presence of God mm. and knowing that is with me throughout the mm. journey mm. I think mm. that that really helped me mm. that really really helped me yeah yeah mm. Mm. And that's really important because like um, Bobola and Paulina were saying earlier mm. that they couldn't read their mm. Bibles. They just didn't have that motivation to. So, But when you're actually in the atmosphere of fellow believers mm. um, and the worship, it kind of just does something yeah. inside of you that you can't no, do exactly. yourself because reading the Bible mm-hmm. takes yourself to make an effort to open it and to be bothered mm. to read it. But at least when you're going into church, you're just sitting in a mm. receiving mode. And so therefore, um, God and the Holy Spirit can speak mm. to you and do things inside of you that perhaps at home, sitting in that same house all day, every day, which can also be, you know, a lot mm. to deal with. Um, just getting out the house and changing the environment, I, I think that really helps a lot if, if that's the only thing mm. you can do. You know, um, often our pastor says it all uh, quite often that uh, we think that when we're going through, we stay away from but church. But that's really where you need to. And we should, mm-hmm. yeah, that's where we should be heading mm. there more. You know, uh, that is a part of our medicine, if you like, mm. or, you know, because the Bible talks about fellowship with brothers and sisters. It just does something to be together. As we mm. mentioned earlier, being with people. It, it really helps mm. us to to uh, thrive socially, and God has created us in that way to be social mm. beings. You know, so when we don't have that in our lives, of course, it can affect us in many different yeah. ways. So, definitely being able to come to a church service, like we can see during this COVID period, many people have lost their faith now, or many people have. Um, been mm. led astray because they're not physically meeting With other people. In, in a church mm. service. Yeah, for me, church was yes. like going for therapy. It was like every Sunday, at least I knew I would get a dose of, exactly. of human yeah. contact and a dose of laughter. <laughs> a little bit helps, you know, along the way. Um, talking about, Jumaka uh, was saying, oh, I didn't take, I didn't finally get professional help. And I think a lot of that is because somehow deep inside, as Christians, sometimes we wonder, can I get help? Because for me, I, I, when I decided I was going to get help, after talking to Paulina, she was like, but well, you should go to the hospital and do this and do that. I should really encourage her. And then I talked to my dad. He was like, maybe you should actually go talk to someone. I still felt like I would have loved to get a, I, I would have loved it if I could get a Christian therapist. So I put that as a, it was almost like a barrier again. Because now I'm thinking, where would I get a Christian therapist in Sweden? When our healthcare is like you, you know, you call the doctor and they give you the 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 therapies that you get and all of that. And first, I struggled with all of that. Can can I, should I go for therapy? And what if the therapist says something that is not in line with my faith? And and that was all adding to the anxiety because I was just expecting yeah. everything to know. And I was like, if I tell anybody I'm going to therapy in church, what would they think? I I yeah. think people should. And I, will not I think people that. should yeah. get therapy. Yeah. I think it took me longer to get out of it. If I probably find that professional mm. help, it would not have taken me as much energy and time. 
and a lot of resources, mm. monetary time, people mm. and all that. I think having somebody that independent and professional person being able to pinpoint straight away, mm. this is what you're going through. Because I had mm. to sort of self-diagnose myself through reading and, or, you know, talking to people. And obviously mm. I had to talk to my brother who's a doctor as well. And I think he could understand. But he didn't want to say it, you know, probably being like, ah, <laughs> probably she, he didn't know how I was going to mm. react. But I knew. And at some point I had to come mm. out to say, actually, I, I, I think I'm depressed. I, I, the moment I said that, people were like, yes like, yes yes literally it sounds like it. but 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 it took mm. that i said it myself but i think it would have saved me a lot of energy time and so so i would advise anybody just just go for it if you can afford it and if it's available please do mm. yeah. yeah uh yeah that's what i want to throw out there as well like if there's someone listening and and you're christian and you're thinking oh i'll go for why can't i just spray it out just know if you if you had a normal take any medical challenge whatsoever headache migraines diabetes whatever you would go to a doctor nobody's going to tell you not to go to a doctor mental health issue is just the same way it's something wrong in your mind or in your brain or whatever it could be it could be chemical it could be hormonal and you need you need a doctor Mm -hmm. sometimes or a therapist or whatever a a professional to really to to, and you can of course you can pray that god will lead you to the right person that is still something you can do but i think you it's important because i did pray for that god okay i'm going to go this is Sweden, not many people are Christians, I many believe, but I'm just going to trust you. And my first, uh, what do you call them? Cu- cu- what do they call them? Hmm. Sweden? Curator, Frank. it's like a counselor. She, she, yeah, she was yeah. not a Christian, but her sister was a Pentecostal Christian. So when I explained some things that I was going through, mm. she understood to an extent. What, what I meant when I said, oh, I can't mm-hmm. pray, or when I pray, I think like this, or when I'm praying, I'm wondering, should I... I mean, there were literally times when I was leading worship while being, while having postnatal anxiety and all of this. And I felt like, am I praising God now? I'm praising something else. And there was a day I literally got down from the pulpit and I ran to the bathroom because I was shaking. And I could explain this to this lady. And she was like, I'm not a Christian, but I understand what you're saying. Like a person of faith. And she could understand. So God still found people. Uh, yeah. So you can pray that you'll be led to the right person, but you... Even if the person is a believer, you might just need that, yeah, yeah. that extra person. Yeah, definitely. Because um, even when you go to mm-hmm. pastors, they are not trained. No, I, to I went to pastor. I went of... to our pastor, and yeah, he did have um, some good advice, but they were not necessarily gonna help me because he was talking about praying and we can do this, we can do that, and I understood that, but I also knew that he didn't totally get the extent of um yeah is not trained in that sense yeah 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 so um it's okay if you've not heard heard this before i'm telling you right christian and you need therapy even maybe it's just covid you're going through depression because of covid right now now. it's okay Mm. go go Mm. go get help go seek help because for me at the end of the day taking medication i even like the first time I went to the GP and he gave me something they would normally give people. And later when I met a psychiatrist, she was like, that drug was not supposed to help you. But it helped me somehow. She's like, I don't even know how that that medication helped you. Because I even went to the, yeah, because it was the wrong 
thing to start with probably so it's good to go get professional and get the right kind of help make sure you're yeah. seeing the right kind of doctor as well and get a diagnosis um, yeah make sure but they that give you a diagnosis the fact that, yeah get a diagnosis so they can so you know what to use or how to do with it. And at the end of the day, apart from medication, I think CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, really helped me because it was it was on the yeah. soul leash, on the mind level, and I needed to learn to ignore the thoughts or to allow the thoughts to come through and pass away instead of me always trying to deviate. No, I don't want to think that thought. And then you just keep thinking them. I, Yeah, so I would say you're probably in a combination of different things. CBT was very good because it meant that I was equipped to... Um, yeah, continue, Medina. Bob, Bob yeah? Ola, a question for listeners mm. that might be apprehensive mm. um, because I think many people um, mm-hmm. really don't want to take any kind of drugs. Can you share, uh, or anybody else that has taken uh, the medicines, um, what are the... Um, what it entails. Uh, I know that Paulina would share something. Because I think many people are afraid of getting addicted to them and that they have to take them every day and that kind of thing. Well, I just wanted to say that I was that person. Um, Those were my exact thoughts, which is why I actually didn't seek Mm. help. It was another reason I didn't seek help for a long time is because I did not want to take any medication. I was okay doing therapy, but I was at the point where Mm. I had to have meds, but I I didn't want to take them. I actually was afraid that they will mess me up mentally and actually physically. Um, I've always been kind of a health nut when it comes to what goes in my body or at least how do I, you know, get it out of my body if it's something that wasn't good for me. So um, that was a huge hurdle. Mm. And it wasn't until um, my doctor was willing to listen to me and understand my reservations and explain to me how the particular medication that they were prescribing works and also uh, being willing to give me the lowest dose possible that wouldn't have any side effects or anything like that. Um, So for me, it helped knowing a, what I was taking and then a a path to getting off of it. So what would that look like and what, how long? Mm. Um, And so once they were able to actually Mm. show me a treatment plan Mm. and it wasn't this rabbit hole that is just endless then I could accept the fact that it's a treatment plan mm-hmm. and I'm doing, you know, ABC to get better. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of what helped me. But mm-hmm. then on the addiction side, again, depending on who, you know, on, on what our listeners are struggling with, there are stronger meds out there that a psychiatrist might have to prescribe that might sound scary um, but my advice would be always ask what the path to recovery is, because what I've learned, unfortunately, in America, for example, American yeah. psychiatry um, is interesting. I'm not going to go into, you know, into details, but basically people are medicated with no end in sight. And that was my biggest fear. I didn't want to be that person. So when you go ask questions, mm-hmm. advocate for yourself. And if you're afraid. Uh, even if you're not, it's always good to know how, where is the end? Because there has to be an end if yeah. you're someone who hasn't had a history of depression or, you know, anxiety mm. long term. Mm. No one untreated. Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, and 
I would probably add, I would explain a little bit my journey because I think for everyone uh, who is, um, um, I, I think almost who hasn't had depression before, any kind of mental health challenge before, you're afraid of what the drug is and everything. And I was also that person, very scared. I'd read so many things and I was like, oh, I don't want to be on any drug. I don't want to do this and all of that. And um, I even knew a little bit what drugs could do and all of that. So I was a bit scared in the beginning. And I would say in the beginning, I went for therapy, like just talking to the counselor. She wasn't a psychiatrist, but she was a counselor that they had at the, at the maternity ward or the maternity clinic. And um, after a while, I told her there's something not right because I hear you, I understand what you're saying, but sometimes I'm unable to apply what you're saying to me. So I feel like something takes away the control from me. So I think something is wrong. And she was like, if you feel like that, we go to the, to the, to the doctor instead. And the doctor wrote, wrote me a drug that I would say, yeah, it's not like what Paulina was saying. In, they didn't tell me immediately how the treatment plan would go. But there was also like that thing of, okay, you, people usually take it for six months or for one year and then they're fine. And yes, mm-hmm. talking about um, the drug, you have to be prepared to an extent that, okay, for the next two, three, two years or one and a half years or six months, I'll just do what I need to do to get out of this because the drug I was giving made me big. I gained, I don't know how many kilograms. I sl- I couldn't read. I was sleeping a lot. I-, I mean, I dragged myself to work every day and nobody at work knew I was going through anything. So I had to be strong. I had to just d- keep going. I said nothing. And people were like, there was even someone who said, oh, Bobby, won't you get rid of this baby mm-hmm. fat? And I felt like slapping that person because they didn't even know why I was adding weight because this, this drug could make you, you eat it and you eat food and it just, the carbs don't get burnt. They just sit on your body and everything. But today, I mean, I've lost like 20 kg from that. So I'm back to normal size or something. You just have to see it as something you have to do for the moment so that you can come out on the other side if, if, a, if a doctor prescribes you a drug. And later on, I had a plan when I met a psychiatrist, she wanted to put me on another drug, but she said, you have to get out of this one first. And it had to be like, maybe you're on this dose and you go on it for one week and then you, the color, like you're stepping it down. So you step it down over a long period of time. So I had an Excel, you know, I like my spreadsheets. I had a, a spreadsheet for this. I was stepping it down, monitoring <laughs> how I was feeling, yes. These dose today, for this week, we're using it because the doctor was like, you can stop it. I said, no, I'm not going to stop it just like that. I know that I've read that if you step down, then you're going you're gonna to recover mm-hmm. better. You will not get adverse effects from, mm-hmm. you know, from going off the drug. So I had to do it myself. This was something that I did for myself. She told me, you can get off it in three weeks. I said, no, you don't know how this drug... And I got off it maybe in three months. I stepped it down in a way that I felt like I was comfortable with. And when I finished... I talked to the psych. She's like, I don't think I should put you on any new drug because you. I feel like you're in a place where, with CBT, with with, with your cognitive behavioral therapy that you're doing, you'll be fine. And I'm, and I'm not on any medication today. So, just for someone out there that may be afraid, like Paulina was saying, if you can ask your doctor for a plan, how long would this be for? What would I have to do to get off it? Get a get good information about the the medicine they're putting you on, and it's. I'm not going to lie and say, oh, no, it's like taking paracetamol. You're going to be fine. No, it might be hard in the beginning, but it's going to get better. Because the first night I got, I took a drug, one of the drugs that gave me just to go and sleep. I had the worst terrible dreams ever. Things that I'd never, I mean, it was bad. But then it got better and better and better. And um, 
so you just have to work, work, work with your doctors, talk to them. Like Paulina was saying, if you got, if you get a job that's going to work for you within a week, you would know. And the doctors will even tell you within a week, you should know that, okay, I'm different. And for me, that happened as well. Like, I felt like, oh my God, this is a big difference. Um, so yeah, it, it, it might look scary, but just say that something you have to do so that you can get well quickly. Because if you don't get help on time and you don't get the medications on time, this can, this can yeah. go into things you don't want. That is something that I would want to give to somebody out there. Get help as soon as possible. I think if I had gotten help in the first three weeks of, of the onset of the, of the whole episode, I think it would have uh. gone away faster. Not getting a performance meant that it, it took a long time. I mean, it took me two years to get to the point where I felt like, yes, I'm back to like 75, 80% of myself. Um, yeah, so it's very important to seek help and seek help fast. Can seek I just add that? Quickly. Just to add that to, because some people might be yeah. scared, like, oh my God, oh, am I, am I? But the reality is there are different spectrum to postnatal uh, uh, depression or any yeah. health issues. You have the mild, you have the moderate, and you have the severe. With the mild, and I, I think a bit of the uh, yeah. moderate, you can you don't post, post, you don't really need professional. You don't need medication. Yeah, you might need a bit you of therapy, or therapy. you might just have you know support from family and friends mm-hmm. as well to support you through mm-hmm. it. Because you have to be realistic, depending on where people are listening from as well. They might not have the finances, or the you know, I know from Nigeria, most people might not have the. There might not be access to. Hmm. what do you say professionals yeah. or therapists and uh, things like that so men, yeah professionals. yeah and stigma and as well, the but stigma there are other as things well. you can do in terms yeah. of you know always talk to people be be informed we're now in a day and age whereby you can access information via social media youtube and all this. but also mm-hmm. be careful where you're getting the information from don't just go by people who are just mm-hmm. bloggers and just coming up yeah. with different things <laughs> make sure they're professionals yeah. people who are quite mm-hmm. professional they will put their their credentials what they've done and articles are out there also don't be don't try to be a superwoman you know do less pace yourself as a, as a new mother you know mm. if the house mm. is dirty today that's fine leave it you know mm. tomorrow you can yeah. pace yourself and do you can pick out what chores you need to do mm. and also accept help mm. i think one of the things for me was i wasn't ready to accept help i want to do it myself i want to prove that i could do it mm. and also tell people how you're feeling be open-minded mm. and also even be mindful of mm. the people you tell yeah. as well I think at times you have to be cautious about, you know, trusted people, people you know that they're not judgmental because I think mm. what, what made it worse yeah. for me was the, was the kind of mm. advice I was getting from people who were more or less adding more fire to the fuel. I don't know, more fuel to the fire. <laughs> yeah, so it was literally that they were mm. compounding the issue. Mm. So be, be, look out for trusted friends and to, mm. to support you. And trust God to help you yeah. through the journey as well. And uh, for those who have never been married or were looking forward, please plan ahead of your pregnancy. Plan, plan for everything. If you can do spreadsheet like mm-hmm. Bobola, probably do spreadsheet. <laughs> yes. And you know, probably do like a mental checklist. Am I happy? Am I depressed? Am I, you know, try ask yeah, yourself yeah. just yeah do that yeah, so that you you're willing to do stay that. educated mm. about it as well so yeah, yeah. <laughs>
That's very good. But then also um, to remind everyone not to expect mm-hmm. it to happen. It doesn't happen mm-hmm. to everybody. No, it doesn't happen to everybody. Which is why, again, no. if you're prepared, it yeah. means that if it happens, just... you're armed. If it doesn't happen, that's great. Maybe you can share this. Yeah. Maybe you can share this knowledge just with someone else. The... Or being prepared mm. doesn't hurt if, you know, you're able to notice it in some of your other friends where they might not be prepared. You're not just doing it for yourself. Exactly. Yes, yes. We not have to be our, our sister's and, keeper. And I also mm. wanted to share, um, yeah. since we are talking about the road to mm. recovery and something we touched upon earlier, like prevention, I think the two kind of go mm. hand in hand. Kind of knowing yourself um, and mm. who you are. Uh, I know we said multiple times, I have said multiple times already that, you know, um, it seems like the five of us, are very driven and ambitious and, um, you know, like being in control. So it's good to know these mm. things about yourselves or your preferences on, you know, like I love working. And even mm. though I know I love working and I love everything about mm. career, for some reason I made up my mind to be a stay-at-home mom. And because I made up my mind and because I'm so stubborn, then I (laughs) couldn't pivot from it, even though I knew myself, even my own husband said, Paulina, you're not like you're not a bad stay at home mom, but you love working like you need that drive. And I wouldn't listen to him. So it took me again a year plus of therapy Mm. and other things to go through that journey and realize just know know who you are. You don't Mm. have to give up who you are to be a mother and for some reason somewhere down the road I decided that being a mom and being someone in career are you know two opposite things for example and some women want to be stay-at-home moms again know that about Mm. yourself especially as you go through this journey Mm. and then I've heard women you know who Mm. went back to work and then just cried themselves um, you know to sleep every night and I know not everybody can afford to stay home but again if if this is something you enjoy, maybe make a plan of how could you afford to stay home. I had a friend who did that, and she worked for three to four years, I think. But again, mm-hmm. her and her husband had a plan, and now she's in her element. She's a stay-at-home mommy, and she loves it. So that would be my advice. Just just don't think it's selfish to know who you are mm-hmm. and what you want, which I think in our in Christian world, at times we mistaken... Um, that for selfishness you know mm-hmm. we think it's selfish to take care of mm. ourselves of our bodies mm. and minds um so that we can be healthy for those around us mm. our loved ones mm. that's true yeah that's true and I, okay let, let me just put this yeah, up. okay yeah so you want to say something Go ahead. recovery like um for me that went through the group therapy thing that don't be afraid to continue that mm. even if it's just for a mm. mental check-in like okay I'm, am i good i'm i'm okay you don't have to feel afraid that mm. okay now i'm all mm. great i can um i i can let me just stop this no you can continue if you feel like you need it and it's okay to continue it's, that doesn't mm. mean that you are um, still sick or something it's just to help your brain sit in a better place <laughs> if i can say that like just for yeah. you to feel sane because some people might just understand what you're going through better than others i was just gonna say that yeah that's true for me i know that i would have loved to continue with therapy 
even just like you're saying, once in a year or twice a year, just to, but at some point they didn't know what to diagnose. Is it OCD? Yeah. Is it just hormones? Is it uh, extreme post? Mm-hmm. They, they thought it was extreme PMS. Mm-hmm. What do you call it? A pre uh, what you, a premenstrual syndrome because it was very hormonal and coming and going. So they just didn't know what they were dealing with. And I, I just, I, I, I let it go. And I was feeling much better and all of that. So, yeah. Mm. Talking about um, yes. work. For me, work saved me. I had to go back to work. I mean, I was, I was ready to go back after six months, but then it was summer. So I was like, no, oh, if I go back now, I'll be the only one um, at work. So I stayed on to... I think I said on 10 months and then I went back to work and that saved me because gradually I started meeting people, talking to people, you know, just, it was hard to work because sometimes I would sit at my desk and so many things would be happening at the same time in my mind, Mm -hmm. but it saved me ultimately going back to work was the best thing I ever did for myself. Some people, and I want to push, put this out there for our Swedish listeners. I know that the maternity leave is like one year and you can Mm -hmm. even take one and a half years. But don't feel like you have to. If you really are someone like me that work is something that can save you, don't feel like you have to be home so that you don't get judged. Just do what works for you. I went back to work and I had people ask me, oh, you've already started working? What of your baby? I'm like, she's fine. She's, she's with happy. her father. She's, she's good. Yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, she's happy. Yeah, and that's, that's it. And the second time around, I knew I would not stay longer. No, the second time I was fine. But I also did nine yeah. months and then... Went back to and work not, because I wasn't going to. I would second that. That put myself into that position again. When I went back to work, as, as soon as I, you know, did that, I felt like I was back to normal. You know, yes, there were challenges and it's hard with little kids and all of that, but I felt mm. like I could deal with difficulties. I had more energy to overcome anything that came my way because I felt in my element. And I think Babola, you are kind mm. of similar, right? We we are alike in that way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I dropped my I like, child yeah. at the uh, preschool the first yeah. time. Some people said they cry. I said bye bye. I was happy. <laughs> I called <laughs> at five. I'm on my way to pick yeah. her. I know. I know. Because some part work, they're like, oh, the first time. How did yeah, you do? Did you cry? I'm like, I didn't cry. I was <laughs> down to the bus stop. I felt the like, same way. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> Oh, wow. I mean, practically, <laughs> I, I went back at five. I'm like, oh, hey. And I was okay. It didn't make me a bad yeah, mother. Yeah. I was just, I just had enough mm-hmm. at home. And your kids was the happiest yeah. mother leaving a child. Grow up, you know, seeing you for who you are. And something I have had to accept is the fact that God gave your kids you or gave, you know, um, you those kids yes exactly so it means that Gave you are your the kids. mom that they mm. need maybe your kids need a go to work mom you know my mom has always worked and I didn't feel mm. any less loved by her um, and I learned work ethic I learned so much from her without her really mm. ever sitting down and teaching me any of these things because it was through observation mm. so again it, there's not mm. right or wrong way of doing it just just mm-hmm. kind of follow yeah follow no. your instincts and like do you instincts and follow your um you know kind of the gifts that god gave you that comes down to gifts that god gave you i took me a long time to accept Mm. the fact that i wasn't gifted in a motherhood department when it comes to little kids it's just true i don't like playing with them i don't like i don't like a lot about them actually 
<laughs> but I love my kids. Yes. But, but you then, love your kids. That's the thing. Yeah. I think COVID has taught me to play with my kids more. I, I have more patience. Yeah. But normally I'm also not. I'm, I'm like, cook, go play. I'm, I'm here. Okay. Nobody played with me nice like this. So <laughs> do I have to make sure you look good? But that's kind of what I do as a mom. <laughs> but entertainment, that's you on your own. <laughs> anyway. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> buy the toys and they get entertained by toys I think it's important to, stre to stress also like I think we've mentioned it apart from mm -hmm. maybe professional help like Jim O'Carroll saying you might be in a place where you can't get help for me I needed to be with people I needed to be around people so every time I felt like oh my my fuel gauge is going down on the social aspect I would look for somebody or I would find a way to to interact and to share because I felt like I needed to provide the kind of environment that that I needed. It's like you knowing who you are, like we've been saying, you, mm -hmm. you realize what works for you. If you're an introvert and you actually don't want to see people, yep. maybe you need yep. to tell people to leave your do house. Do that. That's Stay alone. Do whatever you need to do. Attack you when you're when you just had a baby. <laughs> no, honestly. And some women, you know, you, you kind of have to protect that space because not everybody is an extrovert and wants mm -hmm. people. So it's okay to say. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. I really need, you know, a month or however long to kind of recover and be with my family. I'll let you know when I'm ready, which mm -hmm. I think some of us have a hard time saying. Mm -hmm. I think for me, I, I'm, although oh. I, I, I try to socialize, but I, I'm kind of guided as well. I don't have too many friends here in UK and all that. I think for me, what helped also was learning new hobbies. Uh, I didn't really know much how to bake. So I remember around that time I was baking loads i think people were thinking what's wrong with this girl i was baking all kinds of cakes carrot cake it was putting a lot of energy learning new stuff and all that and i think that's when i got into taking pictures mm. a lot i was creating memories and now looking back when my phone reminds me like oh five years ago i was like wow yeah i remember where i was that day <laughs> you know probably one of those days i was crying and all that <laughs> but i took pictures and all that so i think yeah mm. always look for something to divert your attention I think Luke Warren says something recently saying that when you're yeah. having a lot of negative negative thoughts, it's when you feed on the negative thoughts that you start putting into action, but try to quickly divert it, switch it off to something else. You know, for me, music was a big thing for me. Oh my mm. God, playlists. YouTube was constantly, I think most of the songs I was listening then, I can't remember, almost, can't remember most of the songs, you know, Christian music songs were constantly, and up to now, you would you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it i've got my radio on constantly my christian radio because each time something is playing on the radio so it divides my mind to something else and before i knew it i've already thoughts gone i'm talking about something yeah. else so it's about looking at ways to to divert your attention from things and getting busy be busy yeah. with something yeah hmm. yeah and take time to rest take time to sleep um and have good people mm -hmm. if you can and have and surround yourself with good people it's very important to surround yourself with good people i think we've we've really talked about a lot i know there's so many aspects that maybe we didn't touch and i would like to put a disclaimer mm -hmm. out that we are not health professionals we've only talked from our own mm -hmm. experiences so don't take whatever we've said as diagnosis oh yeah i'm also having those thoughts i must have this now Go, go get help if you if you need it. And if you're listening, you don't even maybe you're not you're even already done with giving birth. Look out for someone around you because sometimes really the person that is most depressed might be the person laughing at the laughing mm -hmm. the most in a gathering. Um, 
be, be, look out for your sister. Reach out to someone. Call someone. Um, check on someone today. Find out how they're doing. And if you have people that have just given birth around you, just be close. Stay around. Ask them how they're doing all the time because they might just open up to you one day. Yeah, thank you, ladies. It's been really yes. nice um, thank hanging you for out. Having yeah. <laughs> thank you for agreeing to share of yourselves. I know it's not easy sometimes to talk about these things, but you know, for such a time as this, <laughs> that's why we went through what we went through. And um, looking forward to having other conversations yes. with you all. All right. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you, Jumaka. Thank you, Tuki. Thank you, Ladina. And thank you, Paulina. Yeah. And with that, we've come to the end of this mini-series. I hope that you found the conversation useful and even worth your while. So, I would love to really hear from you. Don't hesitate to contact us on intentionatrandomnessfeedback at gmail.com intentionatrandomnessfeedback at gmail.com. I would love to hear your stories and your experiences if you have any. And remember, there is nothing to be ashamed of when it comes to postnatal depression. And there is always a light at the end of the tunnel. Until I come your way again, it's Bobby Omobobala Adetunji on Intentional Randomness. Stay blessed. <laughs>